Digital Marketer. Today, it's Natalie Lucier. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely. Between GDPR, CCPA, Facebook giving users the ability to white pixels from their profiles completely, and even Google tightening their grip across third-party data, the future can look a little scary for marketers. Today, I talked with someone who's already a few steps ahead of the game. So far ahead, in fact, she's already stopped using a pixel on her website completely. In this episode, I interview Natalie Lucier. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, the founder of Access Ally, which is a powerful digital course and membership solution for industry leaders. And we get into how she does digital advertising without a pixel, without retargeting ads, what that means for her marketing budget, how that's affected her acquisition costs, and how her team has been restructuring their marketing focus, all the while keeping the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated, top of mind. I hope that this episode is a breath of fresh air for y'all, and I hope maybe it shakes loose some of those fears you might have about where digital marketing is going. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. So uh, really, I just kind of want to start at the beginning. Obviously, we're going to go into all of the cookie stuff and the data and, and all that good stuff. But kind of tell me what it is you do and how you got into marketing. All right. So in school, I studied software engineering. So I was always kind of into computers and I was designing websites when I was 12 at home just for fun. So when I started and graduated from university, I was like, you know what? I had had all these great internships on Silicon Valley and on Wall Street, but there was a part of me that was saying, you know what? You should start your own business. And so that's kind of what I did, like against the advice of my parents and my family (laughs) and everyone. They were like, what are you doing? You're crazy. (laughs) So I started my first business online, which was in the healthy eating space. And I learned so much from doing it myself, from, you know, building the website to figuring out how to sell a course or a program or even one-on-one coaching. And people were starting to come to me and saying, hey, you know, who built your website? How are you doing this? you know, what platform are you using to host your courses? And eventually that kind of spun into a whole marketing and then eventually products and software. So it was kind of full circle. (laughs) I ended up, you know, building a software company, but I had to go through this sort of meandering path to get there in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. And I love just hearing that path that just led you right back around to where you started. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that led to basically the creation of Access Ally, which today is a learning management system and WordPress membership plugin. Yeah, and it's beautiful. I've seen it. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) So you you know a lot about marketing and in particular, you know, not only having to market for like the healthy eating business, but also marketing for your product and then helping people who are building courses on your platform learn how to do the same thing. So kind of what is your marketing philosophy What do you believe in? Yeah, so it's definitely evolved over time. I think that, you know, the core of it is absolutely 
kind of content marketing and leading with education. And because our company helps people who are building courses, education is just such a big part of everything that we do. So yeah, educating in terms of pre-sale, educating in terms of just using products, why they would want to use them, all of those things. I think we can make education more fun and we can make content fun too. And I think that can kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting of our marketing so that people are aware of us. They know uh, what it is that we do. They know how we can help them. And, you know, even if they don't end up buying, I think that our marketing should still be useful and educational and really kind of move the needle in their businesses. So even if you're not in B2B, I still think that applies is that there's ways that you can educate through your marketing. And that can make such a huge difference in terms of how effective your marketing is and also how you're perceived. Because I think that you don't want to just be marketer, you also want it to be useful for people. Yeah. And that's a totally different perspective shift for some other marketers out there. And you specifically have stopped using cookies and retargeting. Is that correct? Can you tell me how that decision was made and how long ago that happened? Yeah. So we recently decided to take off our Facebook tracking pixel and we kind of make a big announcement to our email list and everyone was kind of shocked. They were like, wait a second, <laughs> like <laughs> this is going against all the advice that we constantly hear. So, you know, if, if those of you who are maybe not super familiar, so the Facebook tracking pixel is basically a little piece of code that collects data on your website about the visitor so that you can retarget on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, send more ads to them. And when we were kind of taking a step back, how we feel when we're being retargeted, you know, it doesn't always feel the best when your interactions are being tracked and used against you. And sometimes, you know, you feel like I just want to surf the web and not see a bunch of ads again later. Or um, <laughs> the other part of it, too, that we really were thinking about is that each time we ping Facebook server, it slows down our website. And even if it's like a tiny little bit, it adds up over time. And if you think about all the browsing that we do across all the websites, it's kind of chipping away <laughs> like time yeah. over time, sending data back to Facebook that way. Yeah. So how did you have to restructure some of your marketing? What did that overhaul look like? Yeah. So we had really started thinking about, you know, where do we want to put our marketing budget, right? So there is so much that we could be doing, you know, we could be doing Google ads, which we have done, we could be doing Facebook, we could be doing YouTube, we could be doing LinkedIn. And, you know, just there's so many different things, we could be sponsoring uh -huh. events. And we've done a little bit of all of these things. And we've kind of tried to see what works for us. So for example, we were running a good amount of Google ads for a while. And we were starting to like figure things out a little bit more. And then we realized, you know, how did people buy software or how do they make decisions when they're buying? And we kind of realized that ads might not be the absolute best way for our people. So they tend to prefer referrals or maybe it is through content and kind of learning a bit more about something while they're doing research way, way, way before they're ready to buy. And so that's kind of why we realized like, okay, all the advertising that we are doing and the retargeting is helping, but it's not the biggest driver of sales for us. So it kind of gave us permission to be like, okay, if we could reevaluate everything that we're doing right now and how we're spending our time and our money, how would we want to do it? And so some of the things that we've shifted our marketing budget towards are the things that helped us grow in the first place. So a lot more organic SEO and content. And then also we're re-optimizing and just working on our opt-ins on our website so that we get more conversions from the traffic we already have. And then just, you know, important things like building relationships with our certified partners and kind of helping 
grow them and their businesses. And in in reverse, that's going to help us grow as well, too. Hmm. It's such a different way of looking at things because it can be, I, I feel like a lot of marketers look at every channel and say, we need to be on that channel and we need to maximize how we're using that channel. And this approach is so different. Were y'all scared when you started doing this? Yeah. So I kind of had the idea and I was like, okay, I'm going to approach, you know, we're going to talk about it on our next marketing meeting. Like, let's see how it goes. Cause I wasn't sure if the rest of the team would be on board with it. And they were like, no, let's do it. We agree with mm. the philosophy behind it. We, we want to switch things up and just see if going back to our roots, essentially kind of, you know, <laughs> circling yeah. back again to, to our <laughs> roots <laughs> and to yeah. like the full circle thing, how that's going to go. And so far it's been panning out. So yeah, it's been an mm. interesting transition. Yeah. How has it changed the allocation of your budget itself? So far, we're actually spending about the same amount of money as we were on Facebook ads, but just on other projects. So if you also resource wise too, if you were thinking about it, we had one person on our team who was kind of in charge of Facebook ads and Google ads. And so she was spending a good chunk of time, you know, creating new ones, maintaining, tweaking, learning, just kind of constantly being on top of the ads to make sure everything is still optimized and working well. And so she's kind of, you know, been able to pull back on all of that. And now she's focusing more on creating more content. And then we're also improving our documentation, which seems like it's not related to marketing, but because if our customers have an easier time with our software, they're more likely to enjoy it, have good results and then tell their friends. So it kind of has like a little bit more of an organic approach again, but mm-hmm. to us, it's definitely been a good use of our time as well. Yeah. And I feel like attribution itself is already really tricky. You know, like you were saying before with Google ads, you're spending a lot of money on Google ads when it's entirely possible that they're searching because they're about to buy. And so you're attributing this sale to Google ads when it wasn't like their first time discovering you. They've been doing research for a while or, you know, they have an intent there. So it's not different. You know what I mean? It's just, it's taking some effort out of the equation, I guess, and putting it elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one example to illustrate what you were just talking about is, so we have people in in the customer journey. If we, we always got to go back to that customer journey. And I know Digital Marketer is all about that too. And so if you think about it, you know, someone is ready to buy. They've already done a lot of research and we've had people where we get on a call with them before they buy and we ask them, you know, how did you find out about us? Or they're just like telling us like, hey, this is how I found you. And sometimes they'll say, I was comparing different email marketing platforms and, you know, I was trying to choose between say active campaign and convert kit or something like that. So they found one of our pages on that topic and then they see, oh, wait, Access Ally integrates with both of these platforms. And they might have already had chosen a platform that they were going to use for their courses. But when they see Access Ally and what it does with the CRM, they're going to end up choosing and how we help them make that decision, it kind of naturally flows. So it's like we're kind of coming in early enough that we can educate them on a lot of different topics that relate to what they're trying to accomplish. But it's not you know, trying to make us, you know, super quick decision about their purchase, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has this changed kind of that top of funnel advertising? Now that you don't do the retargeting, do you find yourself having to continually warm people up? Or how are you meeting them at the different stages? 
it's still a work in progress, right? So I'm yeah. not 100% sure if we're being able to touch base again with all the right people. So there might be people who totally slip through the cracks and might maybe don't come back. And that's a possibility. So we'll kind of keep working on that aspect of it. But I do feel like list building is still kind of such a huge aspect of our business and kind of how we grew in the first place. So we do focus so much on delivering great value through our emails and also sending them more and more content over time after they've joined our list. So we have, you know, a funnel or kind of an onboarding sequence when people opt in. So they get a little bit more information about us and more great content that we think is really helpful as someone is making a decision or just as they're building a course or a membership in general. And then every single week we send out two emails. So we send, sometimes it's just a super quick, you know, kind of update about, you know, what's going on, or it could be something that we think is an applicable idea for them in their courses and their memberships. And sometimes it's a blog post, sometimes it's a link to an interview like this one, or, you know, whatever (laughs) it might be, there's always something that we can kind of touch base on. And so one of the things that we try to do with those emails is to make them as personal as we can. And so it doesn't feel like they're just doing business with like a corporation, but Mm -hmm. they're really doing business with us and our team. And I think that has made a very big difference. And that's why we're really trying to focus on getting people onto our email list as well. Yeah. Okay. So what do some of those efforts look like? Are they lead magnets or contests or? Yeah. So we've definitely done a lot around lead magnets. So we have different kind of content upgrades on different blog posts, depending on what those topics are. So Mm. example, if we're doing abandoned cart follow-up blog post, we'll have abandoned cart emails that people can download and kind of get started with. So we kind of have little examples like that that people can just download and get going with. And then we also have just a very straight up, you know, opt-in to watch a video demo. And this is, again, kind of counterintuitive in terms of our opt-ins. So what we found is that in terms of intent, we would rather have people who just want to watch an opt-in than people who want a freebie that's not quite related Mm -hmm. to our product. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily want like a huge email list with people who have no reason to essentially ever purchase from us because maybe they don't ever want a course or never want to do anything like that. So we'd rather have people who are definitely more interested in watching our product or learning about it. So again, it's another like sort of opposite of what you expect, but we just want the people who are really most interested. Yeah. Those super engaged people. Mm -hmm. Going back to the advertising bit, how has this affected your cost per acquisition? Has it lowered it? made it higher? Yeah. So we were calculating, you know, how much we can afford to spend per acquisition. So we had realized like, okay, it's kind of creeping up, you know, our cost per acquisition on ads has been increasing over time. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just because more and more people are advertising and, you know, there's over time, I mean, I'm comparing back to 2014 when it was so cheap and so easy. And, you know, there was very few people advertising at the time on Facebook, for example, even with Google AdWords, it kind of goes up and down, fluctuating different seasons and stuff. But we were seeing just an increase over time. And we were like, you know what, you know, our margins are kind of decreasing on our ads anyways. And so when we kind of took that into account, that also helped make our decision a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of where we're at right now for our cost per acquisition, it's a little bit harder to quantify just because, you know, where we're putting our money as, you know, we're redesigning our website, we hired an SEO expert to help us with things. And so we're kind of in the beginning of all of these projects. So we haven't seen the full return yet, but what we are seeing is still, you know, 
solid sales across the board. So those sometimes come from our affiliates. Those sometimes come from, you know, old guest posts and old things that we've done that are kind of out there. So those are, again, like you said, hard to attribute to where they're coming from. Yeah. I think for advertising, it's so clear how much you spend and how much you make versus the rest of the web where it's kind of like, well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. It's so hard to measure some of that stuff. And so hard to attribute. Even on the product side, you're like, because that's the side I'm on. Whenever we release something new, it's like we can easily track when it's sold, but until it's sold and it just exists in our platform, we have no idea how it's making retention like change or anything like that. So in regards to Google changing some of its like third-party data allowances and with GDPR and CCPA and everything's getting a little more difficult. It was kind of the wild, wild west, I think. <laughs> and now we're, we're starting to put a few laws in place to really respect people more, I think. But what's kind of your opinion on, on how things are moving and where you think marketing is going in general? Yeah, I think it's interesting that the laws are sort of catching up to technology, which I think Mm. it's always going to be that way, right? Like the laws are always going to lag behind. And I think it's Ryan Dice who says, you know, marketers ruin everything, right? So I feel (laughs) like we, as marketers, we're constantly pushing the envelope and trying to come up with new ways to market and new ways to do cool things. And I think as long as it's not being overdone, this is great. And I think it's the same, you know, cookies and pixels and tracking and all that stuff, I think it was good when it wasn't so prevalent. And I think when we were using it just a little bit here and there, um, it made a lot of sense. And I think now it's a little bit too much and people are starting to feel it more. And it's almost like too persistent, right? And it's just kind of, especially with the data, you know, and big data and how it's kind of aggregating all of our data. And I think that's where people are starting to feel a little bit more like, hey, like I have no privacy anymore and this is like a little too much. So I think that it's great that the laws are catching up. And I think as business owners, we need to think about, you know, where do we want to stand, right? So we can wait for the laws to catch up and, you know, take advantage while we can of like the wild, wild west aspects of it. (laughs) Or we can say, okay, well, I'm a human too. And I know that I'm doing business with other humans. And how do I like to be treated? And how would I like to treat our potential customers? And so that's kind of what we've done and it's not that it's necessarily the only approach or the best approach, but I just think that it just made sense the way that that we kind of approach our business. And yeah, I think that things are changing and it's great to be able to go with the flow and embrace because I think nothing stays static, especially online, just because things are constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about browsers like Chrome and I think Firefox and there's like, is it like the Facebook container? Like there's all these different plugins mm-hmm. and extensions and add-ons that people are using to kind of protect themselves. And it's the same even for like ad blockers, for example, on news websites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's the same with, you know, advertising and being blocked on news websites with uh, ad blockers. And so, yeah, I think it's just important for us to think about, you know, what's the core of my business and can I do that while respecting people's privacy? Mm, I'm going to let that sit. where organic is concerned with kind of some of the new new focus that you've been applying to organic how has that blossomed your organic strategy what's happened with that 
So one of the main things we realized was that our website was really becoming bloated. <laughs> and I think <laughs> part of that is just, you know, over time, you're constantly adding things and installing yeah. installing new plugins or trying different ideas. And so this is why we're kind of refocusing and rebuilding our website and redesigning it and trying to pare down some of the stuff that we've added over time that has kind of slowed it down or made it not as intuitive for people to be able to navigate. And so mm. that has made a really big difference. Like we've had people come to the site and spend more time on the site. We've also seen some of the things around Google where they're showing that featured snippet results. So when you're searching and that first thing that mm. shows up is kind of the summary of a page or the summary of an idea. And so we're seeing that we're kind of ranking more in those as well. Um, mm. And, you know, part of that is, you know, the things that we're doing to optimize our content as well. But it's just been interesting to see how people are searching and how we can come up in search in new ways too. Yeah. What are some of those ways? What are some of your, you said you brought in an SEO expert, which we did too. She's now our director of marketing. So you can tell it's such an important thing. I think everyone's kind of realizing that content marketing without a solid SEO strategy is, can be a little bit like flying blind. So how is she kind of ramped up what you're doing? What is she putting into place? Yeah. So the first thing she did was really figure out how to organize our content because mm -hmm. we were kind of just blogging and creating content here and there as time allows, as I think most Disney business owners end up doing. Yeah. And so she helped us reorganize a lot of our content in our silos and really help us kind of interlink everything properly so that it makes sense. If you're on this page, you're going to go to that page. And it also tells Google like what's more important and where should people go first? And if they're looking for this kind of information, where is that located? And so that's made a huge difference. And then we also did a lot of keyword research and we kind of realized like, where do we really want to be? So especially with Access Ally, we, we know that we do so much with our software. So we do, we take payments, we have a membership mm -hmm. functionality, we do learning management systems, we do gamification. And so it's like a lot of different keywords that we could potentially be optimizing for, but we kind of figured out where our sweet spot is going to be. And that's made a huge difference in how we organize all of our content too. Yeah. It's interesting with a SaaS that you can really create content around all of your features and benefits. Like, whereas we at Digital Marketer, it's more like focused on the topics that we might be talking about. But I haven't even thought of that. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's We have a new page for each feature now, whereas before we were kind of thinking in the old model of like just a long sales page with just everything on one page. And so right. we've been able to break it down by, by feature and keyword, and that's made a huge difference. What are some of your SaaS content crushes, some people that you look to for inspiration? Yes. Content wise, I really like Joanna from Copy Hackers. So yes. <laughs> I know that she, you know, she has Air Story and she has a bunch of other great things too. So, you know, I read all of the blog posts and all the emails that come my way from her for sure. So the other person that I love to learn from when it comes to SaaS and especially email marketing is Val Geisler. So she has a really great onboarding teardowns, which are really awesome for SaaS companies, mm. but just anyone who has sort of any onboarding processes inside their business. She's actually helped us with some of our onboarding emails too. And I just, again, just devour everything she publishes. Cool. I can't wait to go check her out. Yes. We should have, <laughs> have her on the podcast too. As far as kind of advice you have for, for marketers who might be listening to this and saying, I'm never going to not do retargeting or I'm you know, I'm going to hold on to all the data I can. 
what do you feel like it's something they should know so they really understand where you're coming from? You know, like I said, I totally respect that. And I think every business has to make that decision for themselves. And I think the thing I would say is thinking about what content you're putting on those ads, just kind of putting the same amount of effort and energy into that as much as the advertising and the time that you're putting in managing and creating those ads as well. Just because that's been a huge wake up call for us too, to be like, okay, we're putting all this energy on the ad side, but let's put it on the content side. And then if, so if you were to do both, then you would actually get, I would say twice the benefits. <laughs> so that would be kind of what I would recommend. And then, you know, in terms of actually making the decision, I think it's something that everyone has to make for themselves. I don't think there's like a right answer. And I think that it'll really just depend on on your goals. And if you're doing super well, and if ads is the only way that you're getting new people in the door, obviously, you're not just going to turn that off. And I don't think that's a wise idea. But for us, because ads were kind of something additional to what we were already doing, it just kind of helped us eliminate some of the tasks that we're doing to save time and kind of also put the budget towards something that we were already trying to do better, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when someone hops onto your website, you can own all of that data, right? Exactly. Yep. And that's why we've always been so email list building focused because, you know, no one's going to change the algorithm on us. No one's going to start charging more, right? So mm-hmm. obviously our email platform could do that. They could charge more, <laughs> which they have. They've, you know, increased their prices over time. But it's still, you know, our email list and we could take the email list with us if we wanted to move to a different platform versus, you know, if you're stuck on your Instagram followers or your Facebook followers, you know, it's not so much in your control in that in that way. Is there a channel that you're hoping to grow in 2020? Organically or... Or otherwise? At the moment, we're really just focusing on SEO. That's kind of our full year. Because <laughs> yeah. one of the things we realized is it takes a long time to make a lot of headway. And the same goes with you know Facebook. So I think two years ago, we took Rachel Miller's program. She's amazing. She is amazing for Facebook. And it really helped us grow our Facebook page a lot. And we kind of realized like, okay, this is great. And organic is, is working well for us for Facebook. But we're not necessarily putting more energy towards that right now, since we are focusing more on our own platform. But that was a really good move for us. Yeah. Regarding email, because I know 100%, there's at least one person listening who's like, can we go back to email, please? (laughs) (laughs) You talked about personalizing it. So what does that look like? Do you do heavy segmentation or is it just really about writing in a personal tone of voice? What's the strategy? Yeah, so I love the saying that the personal is universal. And so I try to be as personal when I'm writing in terms of, let's say that we're best friends and I'm sharing something kind of vulnerable, right? So that ends up really connecting with our audience. And we have people who actually hit reply to our mass emails and say, oh my God, me too. Or, oh, I'm so glad you shared that. Or, you know, it's, you know, it's so great to know what's going on with you. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) it's like we're we're in a relationship. Obviously it's, (laughs) it's not, sometimes I do recognize people when they hit reply, but sometimes they're brand new and we've never met before. So yeah, it's just been a really interesting way to write those emails. And I will say sometimes I do try to push myself to post something that's a little bit controversial. So, you know, maybe it's something you know, I've done a bunch of different topics, but like sometimes I do get a little bit political or I get a little bit, you know, 
fired up about the tech industry and how it's, you know, male dominated or whatever. Like I kind of go into my edges sometimes. And I think that also connects with people and it's like, okay, it's not just, you know, like I said, a, a huge company with, with no person behind it. No, it's like a real person who has feelings and who has edges sometimes that could get pushed. When we've done that too in the past, we have gotten some unsubscribes, of course. It's always going to happen one way or the other. But I, I do think that the people who stay are that much more engaged and that much more bought in and that much more feeling relatable to you. Yeah, absolutely. And there's that whole saying of people, all things being equal, will buy from people they know, like, and trust. And I think that's really building that know, like, and trust factor. And absolutely, we have unsubscribes too. We had someone in a Facebook group when someone mentioned our product, they're like, oh, I'm subscribed from that list because I was getting too many feminist emails. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So maybe I'll tone down the feminism a tiny bit. But also on the flip side, I've had people on a call saying, you know, I'm signing up for Access Ally because of your values and because of the things you talk about in your emails. And I'm like, okay, great. Like that, I know that it's connecting with the right people. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it does filter people sometimes, but like you said, the people who stay are the ones who are meant to stay. Yeah, bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I really have a good idea of how, you know, marketers can go forward in kind of this new landscape of of things we previously had being taken away from (laughs) us and guarding against some of that fear. I think there's a huge amount of fear when changes come. I think I've heard Molly say before that it's our jobs to pivot and our jobs to change. Would you say you agree with that? I agree with that. And I'll even go even a little bit further and say that sometimes the problem is the solution. So when we come up against something like this, where it's like changing the game or changing what we can do, how can we kind of flip that around and make it into a benefit for ourselves or for our customers or for our business? And I feel like that's kind of one of the ways we're looking at this too, And so even if it's not the pixels and the changing and, you know, the GDPR and all that stuff, like what is it forcing you to look at in a new light that could actually be more positive, right? You never know. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. And sometimes I found that when we, when we change, Ryan always says, when you lift up a rock, you're going to find some worms, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So I, I think that this is forcing us to lift up some rocks and, and yeah, I'm really just impressed with what you guys have been able to do. And and I think this is really an exciting way forward. I think so too. Yeah, I think it's kind of helping us reevaluate things. And to me, it's also helping us look at our values. And that might not always be the case because we're so busy and so much in a hurry to grow and to scale and to build online. So it's kind of a nice like pause point for all of us to be like, okay, you know, what do we want to do with our business and how do we want it to grow? And, you know, if Facebook is changing or if Chrome is changing, you know, what does that mean for us and how can we adapt mm-hmm. to those changes? Yeah. My boyfriend hates marketing. Like <laughs> he thinks it's the most evil thing in the world. And whenever I do an interview with someone that we're hiring, I always ask if they believe marketing is good or evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of what I'm looking for is someone who understands that the power of it 
you know, can mean that good or evil things can happen. And it's kind of about how you use it, how you use the psychology and stuff like that behind behind buying behavior and emotional connection with customers. And I feel like this makes it just a little bit more good. I love that perspective. I think you're totally right. Like marketing is, it's a tool, right? So it could be used to build something or to destroy something. And it's really up to the marketer (laughs) and how they want to use it. So yeah, I think this is a great, a great perspective and to make it a little bit more good. (laughs) It makes total sense. (laughs) Well, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find out more about Access Ally? Yeah, so there's kind of two main ways that we love to have people come and check us out. So accessally.com, that is our main website. And hopefully it'll be the new version when you guys go there, which I'm super pumped about. And you can kind of take a look, watch the demo, all that good stuff. And if you are more focused on list building and email and all the things I talked about today, we have a free 30-day list building challenge. So this was kind of one of our original list builders that is still doing so great. And it's at 30daylistbuildingchallenge.com. And the whole site is powered by Access Ally. So it's kind of a nice like way to check out Preview. and see, <laughs> see what software does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When does that challenge start? It's available evergreen. So oh, you can cool. go and sign up and start on day one. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. I want to go I want to dig into that email series. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> cool. Well, now comes the time when I ask the final question that I ask every new guest on the podcast. Natalie, if you could go back in time and tell your 25-year-old self or whatever age you were when you began this journey and tell her anything at all, what would you say? All right. So I would say that marketing and business building is all about people. And the more that you can connect with real people and actually talk to them, the easier your business will be and to grow and to improve and to make better decisions. And part of that really is because in the beginning, when I was starting my business, I loved the online aspect of online marketing because I thought I could just stay home behind my computer (laughs) and never talk to anyone. (laughs) But since then, I've learned that actually talking to people and asking them sometimes some tough questions and, you know, what are you struggling with? What can I help you with? You know, what would make this easier for you? All of those things have really helped me become a better marketer, a better salesperson, and also build a better product. Thank you so much for (laughs) that. And thank you for your time today. I think this is going to be really insightful for a lot of people. To everyone who joined us, it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.